0: Welcome back to Women Blazers, the podcast that features conversations with women in the sports industry who are either breaking barriers or on a journey to blaze trails. I'm your host, Deanna Witter, and I'm excited to have Nada Tabatabayi as our featured guest. Nada serves as the Vice President of Business Analytics and Technology for the San Jose Sharks. Nada is one of the pioneers of business analytics and intelligence in our industry, and her dedication, hard work, no fear mentality and appreciation for a great work culture have earned her a seat at many tables where she has been able to make a difference and be a true game changer. I want to take a moment to thank Turnkey ZRG for supporting Women Blazers turnkeys urg is a top talent search firm in sports entertainment and media we appreciate turnkeys role in advancing gender equity in our industry
1: i feel like if it's something my voice is appreciated Uh, it's encouraged i feel and I always tell that to people recently. I'm like, there's a difference between being included and then being completely unleashed. And that's how I feel here of, yes, no, go on, make change, push. You know, I'm pushed to make change and uh, express my opinion. And that's very rare.
0: Neda, what inspired your move to Canada at 20 years old?
1: Um, so I... When I was 18 years old and still living in Iran, I started, I had the opportunity to start working with a great group of industry leaders and visionaries in the advertising and marketing industry in Tehran. This is really when everything, the economy was bouncing back, you know, after everything was going on and the war, and of course, before everything else that started afterwards. Um, This was, I was also going to school. I was going to University of Tehran, but my schedule was such that I could do work and also go to school, mostly both of them on somewhat of a part-time basis, besides the summers that I was working full time. Um I think I actually moved around 21, but the years doesn't matter. But after almost three <laughs> years of working there, you know, I was at a situation that I was working with the best people in the industry. I had some of the best accounts uh within my industry of the clients that I was working with. And um I decided to, I I started noticing that perhaps I have peaked based on the society situation or things that was happening around me, not necessarily within the group that was around, within the immediate group around me. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. I was raised in a family that women and men were always equal. My mom and my dad were partners in their architecture firm. My aunts were always, were quite accomplished and very strong women. But I started noticing that that's not necessarily at least based on my experience, what was happening in the society as a whole. And as a woman, I started noticing that I have limitations on what I can do. Of course, our immigration process had already started. My mom did something my mom had kicked off because my mm-hmm. sister and I were both still students and sort of, uh, quote unquote, um, uh, dependence of her. So this has already started. It took us two years to accomplish that. And by the time... We got our immigration papers. I I decided that I want to move to Canada. My mom and my sister also came with me for temporarily just as I was settling in. They ended up going back and then eventually my sister moved back. Uh, But yeah, that was the reason I just thought that for the ambitions that I have and for the life I want, which I didn't know what it was at the time, but I thought this is something I want to try and see how it goes.
0: Well, that's fantastic. And then so you, you get to Canada, and you attend the University of Toronto. So you continued your education in Toronto, and you received a degree in economics. You know, what was it about economics that interests you? And what was that first job out of college?
1: Yeah, so it was a little bit of a process in between because as a landed immigrant, you have to go through English as a second language tests and apply for universities. So it took me probably around 10 to 11 months So I landed Mm -hmm. in August by next September, I started university, which was actually pretty good. Uh, I knew I was going to study business, but I didn't know exactly what. So the first year that you, the first year basically did in the line of items that I wanted, you there were certain courses you had to take. I had to take math. I had to take accounting and I had to take economics and a couple of other things. I can't remember where they were. I fell in love with economics at the same rate that I disliked my accounting courses. (laughs) Um, It just, economics just made sense to me. So I, for some reason, it just clicked. I got it. So I decided to pursue economics. And then later on, um, there was some statistic courses that I, I also, as part of our overall degree, we had to take I had no clue where this is gonna take me at all, uh, and I wish I knew that knew what I'm doing right now at the time. But yeah, yeah that's something that I really really enjoyed. And um, again, I had no clue what might happen to me or what career path I exactly wanted to follow. I was in, you know, working in retail at a time as a sale associate on the floor uh, of, of 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 a store. So yeah it was sort of let's see where this goes i guess
0: (laughs) and that first job out of college was at holt renfer right at you were a database marketing coordinator yes
1: so that's the store they're a luxury retailer in canada um not a lot of stores but um i think at a time maybe 10 to 12 perhaps across canada they were um that's the store i was working at as a student Uh, i was working perhaps Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, uh, working on the floor. Um, And then as I was graduating, I was doing some volunteer work for like the social committee of the store. And, you know, I made sure people know me. And when I graduated, a new role became available within the marketing department called the database marketing. Actually it was first called direct marketing coordinator because everything was direct marketing at the time. And they wanted Mm -hmm. somebody who was familiar with the POS store, they had implemented a new POS store in uh, that was capturing data of customers. They wanted somebody who was familiar with that. And you know, the um, lead store manager at the time recommended me, um, and yeah, that's how I started. And then that evolved into, from a direct marketing coordinator, moved to database marketing coordinator. And I got to do more involved in analytics of what was going on, even size ranges that the stores were using, you know, Um, cross shopping uh, analysis who's buying what and as we say always in retail and even right now in sports we said how do you move the people up the escalator versus in retail is literally you want to move them from the cosmetic floor (laughs) which is usually the main floor up the escalator to to clothing accessories whatever it might be.
0: Yeah that makes sense that's great and then so after two years um, with that store you then get your first like sports break-in moment with Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment as an account coordinator. How yeah. did you land this opportunity and how did you break in? So
1: there was a couple, there was something in the middle that just because my experience wasn't great and the culture of the organization wasn't great, I usually don't name the organization. But when I was at Holt Renfrew, I thought I wanted to be a pure analyst. And I decided mm-hmm. to move to this organization which has an organization, had a great reputation, and I believe it's a good organization. However, the group, the immediate group that I worked with were not really a good collaborative cultural environment at all. Yeah. So I was there for four months. I was miserable. I was literally getting (laughs) sick Um, and it was just so bad that I decided that I want to leave, although I didn't have a job lined up at all. Uh, I was just not getting treated properly. My work was sort of, I was put in a corner to do my work. My manager would get my work and present it to everybody from day one. He would tell me, oh, we have to see if you fit in this company after three months. So I never, I was like, well, who says that to somebody? It was just a very, <laughs> right. yeah, it was very toxic looking back. So I, I, but my body was physically reacting to this and I was like, yeah. yeah. So I left, which was probably the best thing I did. And I learned that I needed a good team culture. I told Frankfurt, we had a great team in our marketing team. Some of them are still my friends um, and we were still in touch. And I guess I didn't realize that that's not something that is everywhere, right? That was my first, right. and you know, my company in Iran too, we had a, maybe not the best culture but it was sort of a great fun group of people. And I, you know, I, I was sort of used to that environment. So then I started looking for jobs and I was looking for everything. And there were several organizations that I went to. And I, having learned that, I was like, yeah, this is not where I want to work because your business philosophy is based on somebody else's failure, for example, or just something that Mm -hmm. didn't sit right with me. Till I applied for the job and I saw MLSC was hiring a CRM coordinator. I applied for that job and I was confident that I'm not even going to get an interview. Maple Sports and Entertainment is a, you know, very, has a good reputation in Toronto. It's a great organization managing the best teams in Canada. And, you know, I didn't know anybody that could connect me to anybody there. So I was like, okay, I'll apply and mm-hmm. see what goes. And then I got a call from the HR. Uh, we had a phone interview. I got the first interview with Shannon Hosford who was my boss for almost nine years and she's now the CMO and we immediately um, hit it off and I got back home and I think even before I had a chance to send the thank you email I got my second interview um, and it oh, was just great. a great fit from they were looking for somebody like me I was looking for somebody like them you know strong brand great team environment Um yeah That's how it
0: started. You know, obviously that's the goal is when you can find that perfect fit, no different than any other relationship. And it's so nice that you were able to find it there with MLSE, And you ended up spending eight and a half years with them growing from a coordinator to a manager, to the director of BI and digital, you know, what was, what was it like over those eight and a half years growing and what was sort of your approach to, to continuously grow and build up your, your, um, your footprint and your responsibilities?
1: You know, honestly, a lot of it goes to how the organization and the leadership was set up at the time. I talk very highly of Richard Petty, who was the president, Tom and Salmi, who was the CO at the time. And he's now the president of the Edmonton Oilers. Definitely somebody I still look up to and keep in touch with. And Shannon Hosford, again, who's the CMO there right now. I give her a lot of credit for mm-hmm. my growth. I was, I not only grew as a, you know, in my career, but I really grew as a person because there were certain things that I you know, struggled with as somebody who is um, new to the industry, has a certain approach to certain things. And if I, had a di- if I had a boss that didn't get me, I would have never succeeded. Mm-hmm. Shannon got me and helped me work through the growth areas that I had. You know, some of it are still are my growth areas, you know, how I communicate, how I am very logic-driven. For example, I learned that not, not everybody's like that. You know, so mm-hmm. that was really great for me. Also, the way the organization was set up and how you had so many learning opportunities and top performers would get additional, re- you know, ex- uh, additional uh, portfolio items if you were interested in it. So, you know, of course, I worked hard and I proved myself, but there were also people supporting me. And frankly, not everybody was supporting me. What well, the key people who were supporting me really helped me grow. I also realized that at the time, data and analytics was just getting introduced into the sports industry. On the business side, we were one of the first organization who brought CRM into the organization. There were several other major sports teams who also did that. Teambo support was huge. I was the first mm-hmm. in, our, in our organization that had any type of data-related role. And you know, you enter a new industry coming from retail to sport. And I'm like, okay, these are the things I think I should be doing. Am I crazy or not? And then people, <laughs> like, people were like, oh yeah, this is great. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. You know what I mean? So this sort of getting validation and support throughout, whether it was from my um, from my organization or other people within the industry that were helping was huge. And the industry support even to this day is, is fantastic. The, the network that we have across the industry, that is huge. Uh, yeah, we had a lot yes. of learning opportunities. I later on I participated in a leadership um, course that our CFO at the time used to put together, and you had to apply for it. And you know, you would he would select maybe ten to twelve people. Um, but I also made sure I put myself into uh, um, into a situation that if there's something to be done or if something to be learned, I'm there as much as I can. Um, so that's mm-hmm. really, so it was sort of a combination of where the industry and the data was going. And I like to think I worked really, really, really hard. And then learning the other parts of how, what it means to be a leader. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people who knew me then might, you know, some of them might think I've grown or haven't grown or whatever it might be. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a combination of everything It's that's helped me grow. Um, in some areas, maybe faster than others. In some areas, maybe I still need to grow. But yeah, that was um, timing is also, of course,
0: part of that. To your point, timing and your preparedness at the same time of that timing, when those things all come together, it's amazing how that can accelerate your career, but also, you know, your experiences as well. Um, those things you can't, I mean, it's, it's almost a little bit of luck, but not at all because you were prepared yeah, for those, those moments. Exactly.
1: And it's, you know, continuous learning. When I got into this industry, again, this analytics and data was not a thing. It was actually blasted by some people. And so and of course, some of the tools that exist right now didn't exist then. You know, and you, you just had to learn and be like, okay, this is what I can do with an Excel sheet. Are there tools that can help me? This is the type of data we have. How can I enhance it? What can I do with this data? for our marketing campaigns or whatever it might be. And then maybe getting together, you know, I did a really good job networking with my peers across the industry. Some of those people are still my friends, um, And now some of us have grown together into more senior roles, sometimes the same team, sometimes a different team. So, you know, having almost like a group of people that you think alike, especially because nobody else was sort of like us at the time, really, really helped me, yeah. helped me grow. Uh, yeah. helped all of us grow as a matter of fact, which is great to see we were yeah. we were coordinators that sometimes were laughed at frankly in our organizations. <laughs> now we are sitting at tables you know where decisions are made, and we're helping drive strategy in our organizations so it's it's we've come a long way
0: yeah it's a it's been a big evolution, and yeah, you know, to your point, I mean I remember like data wasn't a thing for me until I was at the nBA League office to your point, you were very supported by Timbo in your efforts and Um, you know, in the beginning of my career, we were just shooting from the hip and we weren't, we weren't making data-driven decisions. And today we almost don't make a single decision without data and, and, you know, individuals like you at the table, um, helping us and guiding us in those directions as leaders. So um, it's, it's incredible. I'm really looking forward to see where it goes from here. In fact. So, like I said, after eight and a half years, you then um, take a move. And so in 2014, you joined, you joined yes. CORE and you were named the VP of Best Practices. Mm-hmm. Um, what motivated this move and what was it like transitioning um, to this role from the team role now? So it was interesting. You know,
1: I was at MLSC for eight and a half years at the time uh, with everything that was going on. Again, once again, I felt like I have nowhere to go at that point. And for me, I still wanted more, right? More means different things to different people. I want a different experience, different challenges, maybe a new perspective. Um, And um, Core, I had worked with Core from the time I was at MLSD. I had hired them as a vendor. Um, And, you know, we had a close relationship. So I knew also where their business are going. And they were at a time moving from an organization who was building everything custom for teams to sort of what they are right now, which is the software, basically. And they were, they had... Still to this, they have really great developers, really good group of people, but they didn't have anybody from the industry side uh, that can help mm-hmm. these teams that have maybe purchased the software to use it, create best practice and all of that. So um, that's why I decided to move there. It was When I decided that I'm, it's time for me to you know change my career, p- perhaps, or look for a new adventure, I talked to several people and decided eventually to move to New York and work with Core. Um, and yet that was really, I was upset to not be working at a team a little bit. But then shortly after moving to four, yeah. I realized, hey, I'm working with many different teams. I was working with <laughs> right. the, um, Madison Square Garden group was just basically next to us. I even for a while, I had sort of a mini office there. Uh, Warriors, I was work with the Warriors, with the group at AEG. And um, San Antonio Spurs was one of my best experiences. love that organization and their culture. Really, really great people. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so it. I ended up working maybe not for a team, but with many, many different teams, some of whom I knew already from my time at MLSC. So it wasn't that bad of a transition in terms of, um, you know, knowing where you are and what you're doing. But yeah, it was very different in terms of now you are, perhaps more of a consultant to people and trying to solve problems versus just driving the business as much as you want. It's it's sort of a little bit of a different role.
0: Yeah. You, you same, you know, yeah, you're impactful. You're still a part of them from an outside perspective, but yeah, definitely a different from a probably more from a culture perspective than feeling, you know, like you're actually on the team with them. Um, I've been there before, so I, yeah. I definitely know the feeling. And one thing that you said that I thought was really interesting and I wanted to touch on because I think it's it's such a good topic, but you had said um, that you just had this feeling like you were ready for more and more means, you know, different things for different people. And it's that voice in your head, you know, for you, when you have that voice inside that sort of is, is inspiring you to look for more, um, you know, what do you do to make sure you're not silencing that and that you're exploring those opportunities of, of what more means for you? I don't think I
1: can silence it. I've nothing that I've ever been able to do has helped <laughs> me do that. And, you know, it's the totality of your life, right? More could mean, again, mm-hmm. different things at different times in your life. It is, could be your career. It could be your personal life. It could be whatever, trying to run more, for example. Um, so I've yeah. never been, it just, again, I physically, get miserable when I'm not happy <laughs> at a situation or if, if it's something that is not sitting well with me. And one of the things I did was when I started getting that feeling, I, I gave myself six months and I decided that I'm not going to make just an emotional decision because something happened that I'm not happy about. I'm going to be like, okay, let's take it easy, you know, see how everything is, if this is really what you think it is, or if it was just an emotional reaction to something right away. Uh, so yeah so that yeah. was really I want I love challenges I have a hard head for it for some reason and if it's not I can't be the person who puts it in neutral and be like okay this is what I'm gonna do and let's just do that <laughs> it's just not my personality it's for um, I think being true to who you are and having making decisions that is right for you which you know what's right for me is probably not the same for many other people um, I think that's right key um and I'm not I can't I love my career so much I love my work so much that I just this it takes a lot out of me and it can't it's it's a major part of who I am and so I can't just be like okay this is I'm gonna go check in check out clock in clock out it's that's not me at all
0: yeah and I I think you're you mean the advice that you gave too in that you know as you're describing that experience is you know make sure that you give yourself some time i like your six months like it could this be an emotional feeling or is this truly a feeling um that you want to act upon and you have time to do some research and continue yeah. to dive into those layers of emotion and seeing where the feeling is because that's that's a really good point and something that i'm going to definitely take yeah. away from this conversation and the other thing i always um, because you
1: know I've of course changed a lot like i you know went from you know toronto is home for me so moving from toronto to new york was much more difficult for me than moving from iran to toronto actually um so and then yeah. moving here was also very difficult but it's i always told myself i'm like what's the worst thing that can happen you fail right you get back it no, it's i have no doubt that's doable might not be the same job might right. not be the same situation you might have hard times but i'd rather try it and see how it worked than you know five years down they will be like, oh, I wish I have done that, right? You do it,
0: it doesn't work, and that's totally fine. And then after a year with CORE, you actually then make a move to where you are now, as you talked about here. Um, You're at the San Jose Sharks, um, and you went there and took a position as a VP of um, Business Mm -hmm. Intelligence. You know, what What inspired that move and um, what made you move from <laughs> New York now to the other side? Honestly, of the it
1: was just one of those things. I was a bit core for a year and a half. After 17 years, my sister and I were living in the same city. It was very different. I just gotten a puppy. Uh, I loved everything about <laughs> New York. And then a recruiter contacted me and I immediately said, no, I said, you know, I'm not planning to move from New York. I, um, but I said, send me the job description. I know a lot of people. Let me see if I can recommend somebody for you. Send me the job description, I started reading it. It was line by line as if they had written it for me. Uh, and it was, as oh, if wow. that's what I wanted to be. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, this is going to be tough. So I started researching the organization. <laughs> I talked to several people in the hockey world that I know and respect a lot. I asked about the culture. I asked about, you know, the organization. I started researching this area. I had been to San Francisco, but I'd never been down to Silicon Valley, looking at the ownership, everything about it and I was the more I looked, the more I was like, "Oh my God, this is just something that is mm-hmm. I <laughs> felt like I would be stupid to say no to um, so then I started talking yeah. to a couple of people in the organization they were going through a transformation of you know what um, what what on the business side or what they needed to do for the future of the organization. Um and I know I, again, another one of those things that I was like, well, I'll try, right? So yeah, so <laughs> I I hadn't even visited San Jose and then next thing you know, I was moving down here with a seven month old puppy. Um and honestly it was <laughs> one of the best decisions I made. Everything about um about this organization and my work has been extremely fulfilling and makes me very, very happy although I moved to an area that is typically not a type of area I like to live in. It's, you know, more suburban. I lived downtown <laughs> Toronto, and then I lived in Hell's Kitchen in New York. Just craziness, like, yeah. you know, everything, people, traffic, theater, arts, restaurants. Here, it's very different. The weather is, of course, fantastic, but I just absolutely love our organization and what we've been able to do so far, and what I feel like talking about continuous challenges and continuous new things you can try that mm-hmm. everything about it is what's happening here and then of course I'm also in Silicon Valley sometimes I find myself in rooms with people and I'm like wow how did I end up here who are these people I just <laughs> right. absorb right absorb <laughs> all the
0: information I've learned so it's um yeah it's been it's been great that's awesome and talk a little bit more about the love you know you said you know now you've been there six years so um, you've also become now a resident of Silicon Valley. Um, what do you love most about your role and the work that you do leading the club's you know, business, intelligent and tech um, strategy? In terms of
1: like the hard stuff that we take care of, you know, I was brought in to bring data into organization. There was nothing here, right? So that was a challenge by itself. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, last time I did this, we went from zero to something respectable. It took us several years. Let's see now how we can do this quickly. So we did brought in some of the basic stuff very quickly. And even early on, even we had a little bit of data, we started making somewhat of a data-driven decision. Like if you had one score on something or like one retention score, whatever it might be. Um, So that was really great. The other thing that I really liked was, and still like is previously, and I still see that with a lot of my peers, is as a data and analytics person, you're put in a certain box and you're like, okay, you have to deal with ticketing and maybe sponsorship. Maybe a little bit of marketing, but you don't need to be involved in anything else. Versus here, if I had more resources, I would be more involved in everything else, right? We've helped our finance with creating some reports. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, we can do more for them. We're helping our operations department. Even we're talking to our parking department to see what we can do to help, right? So it's the sense of Mm -hmm. you are welcomed to participate in different areas of the business. There is no, oh, we don't need you. You don't need to be here type of environment. For for me, definitely that hasn't been the case. Um, And that has been really helpful for not only my own growth, but I think it would be helpful for the future of our organization and where we go. And then honestly, uh, I love our culture. I, um, you know, are we perfect? Perhaps not, but who is? But we are continuously learning. We are open to learning and open to be like, okay, this is an area I don't know about. Uh, and we're gonna, we gonna learn about it, especially in the past last year, we've been having a lot of the difficult conversations that I think in our industry, more people need to have. And then acting upon it and mm-hmm. actually trying to make a change instead of um, you know, checking the box and moving on. But I just really appreciate that, um, who we are at to the core right and I, and I really and honestly yeah. at this point in my career if there's something that I would have put up with five years ago I wouldn't put up with it now so i um, which means <laughs> that, you know if it was something that I was like didn't you know, like either I can change this or can't and I'm gonna move on but here i I feel like if it's something my voice is appreciated uh it's encouraged I feel and I always tell that to people recently, I'm like, there's a difference between being included and then being completely unleashed. And that's how I feel here of, yes, no, go on, make change, push, you know, I'm pushed to make change and uh, express my opinion. And that's very rare.
0: Yeah, it's extremely rare. And I love how you describe that. And just, it's really inspiring to imagine being in a, an environment where, there's, it's limitless, as you described it. I mean, imagine what you can you can accomplish in a limitless, non-bordered environment. Um, to continue to talk about the culture a little bit, um, one thing that I was really interested in was um, that you helped initiate the Sharks yeah. Women's Network, um, which is your internal mm-hmm. women's networking group, right? And um, I also love yeah. the Women of the Teal Night, um, where you guys celebrate and recognize women's leadership in workplace in the workplace, which I think is just incredible. You know, how have those platforms in those programs contribute to the growth of women um, in and around the organization? So that really
1: started because of the experience I mentioned before. I recognize that I'm the most senior leader, uh, female leader in our organization. And I know my experience is probably different from some other people's experiences in the organization. But I Mm -hmm. hope that is not the case. But it might be, right? So um, a few years ago, and you know, I was the person who was always trying to move up and climb my way up and ignore everything else that was going on around me and then I got to a point that several women in the organization approached me we had a leadership um, sort of presentation in front of the organization and they told me that oh they no- they told me that they noticed that I'm the only woman there and I was like oh yeah that's true <laughs> and then it hit me that <laughs> oh I now have that responsibility because there are women who are looking up to me um, right. So, you know, and we all know women uh, sometimes don't network as well um, and, you know, being already in a group that there's not a lot of us in the organization. We started Sharks Women Network as an opportunity for us to honestly network and it has evolved. Sometimes it's very structured, sometimes yes. it's not. We started trying to be very structured and we started having meetings every month. And, you know, of course, not everybody is also going to participate and that's totally fine. You know you want to create an opportunity for people who wanted to be part of it and you want to open the doors um so that's how it started and then women of teal came out of the fact that um it's it's a big focus on female hockey fan base you know i've been to many different arenas i worked in toronto i worked with several other hockey teams when i was at core Um, And we know even Heidi Browning, who is the CMO of NHL, says, you know, shrink uh, shrink it and pink it doesn't work. And that's really a lot of the time how (laughs) um, female fan base is treated, not only by maybe the industry, but also maybe by other fan base, you know, other people within the fan base. So when I got here, I noticed we already have a very strong female fan base, but I thought there is room for growth. And this is, I think, even if you want to look at it from a business sense it makes a lot of businesses because women make 80% of the purchase decisions in a household. Um, Women are making more money, although there's still no pay equity, but there's still, we are making more money. So there is room and we are sports fans and we really know our sports. So Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to open a little bit of opportunity for people to maybe want to come to the game and then it hopefully opens doors. So we started having hosting panels before the game. We actually did one online this year, uh, even though there was no game, just for everybody to get together. And I absolutely love it. It started very small. We had, um, you know, 100 people. And then the next year we did two. And we had Kim Davis and Chrissy Amaguchi and Hannah Gordon and and Annie Panakowski as part of the panel. They went and dropped the puck, which like, honestly, like I was just (laughs) almost crying. Uh, during the anthem, we had our sharks uh, juniors hockey girl, hockey players, the girls with the players standing there, which is something we've done before for different groups, but we've never done it only for our for our female hockey players. And I was just That's had goosebumps cool. all throughout just seeing this, because these girls were told that you're gonna go on the ice with the players, you're gonna go on the ice with players, and they're like, okay, okay and then the doors open and the place started going and we tell the girls, go 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 and you should have seen their faces and when they came back <laughs> i that's to me what i saw in those eyes was just a life changing moment for them we had a local artist girl mob design a logo woman of teal night logo and then uh woman of teal logo actually and then we created two merchandise items with it uh, and we're definitely going to expand that because it's just I I, I've been wearing my sweater pretty much every day that I can and i in the streets I get (laughs) stuff about what is that where did you get it from so it's you know there is a lot of room for engaging I think the female fan base a lot more
0: it sounds like just such an impactful execution and programming that you guys are doing and I love I love the difference you're making with especially with the young you know girl hockey players and providing them with that access um, and continue just to grow to your point, just the respect of the women hockey fan. It's no longer, you know, this sort of um, stereotypical, you know, hockey mm-hmm. mom in our world, soccer mom. I mean, these are these are women who truly appreciate and love the game and to respect them as true fans, um, not sort of a subset of fans because of a the connection they have through somebody else. I think it's so important. And um, obviously you, you're much closer to the data than I am. So, you know, the, you know, the business case, but also, you know, the the true value of the impact it makes. Shifting gears here. I always ask a question about um, it's a, it's a new form of getting rid of the term work-life balance and just talking about your lifestyle. Obviously you're extremely busy executive. You're, you're, you know, in this sort of new city, not so new anymore, but you know, how do you dedicate your time outside of work and, what are some of the things that you do um, and, and how do you create time to do the things you love?
1: One of the things I've learned about balance, and it's one of the questions I we always ask our women of TIL panel members, is that balance means different things to different people. Uh, and it's always, it seems like yes. it's always a challenge for a lot of people. If you anybody has figured it out, honestly, I applaud them. I think for me, I, ha- <laughs> I go through ebbs and flows at times. There are some times that I just don't have balance. And then there are some other times that I really strive to, To have a better balance, I if I I try to put certain things in my schedule, like twice a week workout. Do I always stick to it? Hundred percent, I don't. The other thing that helps me personally is my dog, because whether I like it or not, I have to take the guy outside, um, and you know, create some time (laughs) for him. Otherwise, he starts misbehaving, and that also impacts me. Uh, But some of the things I like and I enjoy doing, you know, I. I love I love hockey and I also love basketball. So that by itself, I think for me, well, right now we can't attend games here yet, but um, even watching the game that right. helps 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 my stress level, or sometimes actually adds to the stress depending on what's going on. Um, so I, (laughs) I do like my sports. I love music a lot. Um, so that's one of the things I try to enjoy and I love, and I love um, theater a lot too. So one of the things I used to do, of course, not in the past, I haven't been able to do that is I try to travel, um, not a lot, but just even going to visit my sister in New York for three, four days or going back home to Toronto for three, four days. That really helps me. Um, I know I acknowledge that I don't have children, so that's definitely adds a, a different layer to a lot of people's lives that I don't have experience with that. But, you know, there are other things that I might be doing mm-hmm. in the summer. I wanted to take a data bootcamp just because I felt I wanted to, just for my own fun to do that, I did that. I've taken courses in Stanford for design thinking and such. So, you know, everything I learning is something I enjoy so to me it gives me a balance in a different way it's not work for me so um yeah it's I don't know if that's a good answer but again for me it's probably very different than a lot of other uh everybody you gotta I think one of the things I learned is first of all you have to sort of give yourself a break um if it's it's not nothing is perfect like you're it's not the movies that your house is perfect and your career is perfect and your car is perfect and your pet is perfect no it's really not a movie it's real life um so that's something that I've sort of especially in the last year working from home um you know added a different layer to it so that's something that I have learned from and I try to uh, do what feels right to me at that point and it might be just sitting on a couch and eating a bag of chips you know so, uh, or watching the Mandalorian, uh-huh. you know, so you just gotta, I think you just gotta <laughs> yeah. go with what feels right
0: for you at the time. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, sometimes, sometimes, you know, work requires more of your time. I mean, that's, I mean, we know that. I mean, this industry kind of sucks you in in that way. And hopefully you love your job enough where it doesn't feel mm-hmm. so much like work because you're probably enjoying what you're doing at that point. But yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta dedicate time. I like, I love your advice of, you know, um, building things into your calendar. Um, even if you don't do it at least it's there and it makes you think about what you want to do. Um, your dog obviously is, requires you to take pauses which is fantastic and um, travel is just such mm-hmm. a great way to you know relieve stress and obviously seeing your sister and family yeah. and friends like what a, what a great opportunity there but to your, to your point like everybody everybody has their own lifestyle and they make it work for them and there isn't this perfect way. Um, so there's not like, you're supposed to like, look at the person to your left and be like, I wish I had their life. You know, it's like, you just gotta like live your life your way. That makes you happy
1: with everything that was going on. And of course I can't travel, go see anybody. And you feel a little bit sort of maybe stressed out uh, too much. I took a couple of nights and just went somewhere by myself and it definitely completely renewed me. I did that in November and it was super helpful. And then I did that again last month Um, and it was just great. I, you know, didn't take my computer, maybe checked a couple of things here and there, but yeah. And one of the other things we did as an organization that I found super helpful was we got a day for everybody just as a mental health day. And I made sure that I turned off my emails, my work emails, put an out of office message that, you're taking a mental health day I'm not going to be answering my emails today so just clear expectations which is maybe something you should do more of and be like I'm not I'm, I'm not checking my emails right now yes don't expect that
0: now looking back at, you know on your path you know you know what would you say has been maybe the biggest challenge you faced, and what did you, you know, learn from it
1: of these people that when I'm in a challenge I just want to solve it I want to get it done address it move yeah. on as I mentioned <laughs> I'm very logic driven person But I'm also very persistent. And I think a lot of times I've been in challenging situations that I maybe didn't realize how much it's taking a toll on me because I just want to put my head down, go through it, fix it, fix it, fix it. And then maybe later on it hits me. But one of the things that I've recently looking back and reflecting on everything is one of the biggest challenges has definitely been not being included. You know, and that's one of the things we talk a lot about more and more is, you know, diversity is one thing, but being included is completely different thing. And then also you might be included. Mm -hmm. And now for our organization, we also added belonging to it. You might be at the table, but do you really feel like you belong? Uh, And I remember uh, um, the president of the Mavericks said she when I was in the Game Changers conference a couple of years ago, She said, you know, um, diversity is being invited Mm -hmm. to dance. Inclusion is learning, It is teaching somebody how to dance. And what I added to it later on, I was like, belonging is you learning my dance. So it's, it's right. So that has been, you know, I'm a woman in a male dominated industry. I'm an immigrant. I have a thick accent. So all of these things, I think sometimes led to many of these different people not necessarily recognize that. But I recently realized that I had internalized that a yeah. lot. That, you know, if I was I- excluded from mm-hmm. an, something I, I was, and maybe it's still the case for many people, I'm sure it is, is you are the one who have to play nice. Uh, because any type of reaction or anything could make it worse. Or, um, you know, you sort of have to be like, oh my God, yes, and move on from it. And um, that I realized it also causes you to put up a lot of walls, potentially, that then stays on. Um, so yeah. I I've decided to stop doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. I love I love. I mean, that's ultimately yeah. the the result and that's how you overcome it. But you know, I I definitely relate with what you said, and um, there's there's definitely something to the you know belonging is a is a very key component, and I I think what happens too, and obviously looking at your path and talking through your, your your career journey. I mean, you've been extremely successful. You've grown your career. You've been in sort of the, you know, in these wonderful, powerful positions as a leader and growing our industry, especially in the business intelligence sector. Um, So that comes with strength. Right. And what people sometimes look at, you know, look at somebody like yourself or any woman in sort of a VP higher position is that um, like we have feelings too, like it might look like, Mm -hmm. you know, Like we have it all put together, but like, we still want to be respected. We still don't feel like we belong, even though you're at the table to your point. Like you don't always sometimes feel belong because you're not being, um, you're not being met with empathy about your experience.
1: Is quote unquote, such and such person. And she has, you know, she's harsh or she's this and she's that. First of all, if I was a guy probably wouldn't use those the same words to describe me, but also think that I had to be like that. Right. Because, Otherwise, I would constantly be upset because you're not including me in things, right? I'm dismissed. I'm not included. Right. And that goes around yeah. the board for, you know, looking back. There are a lot of times that women also didn't include me. Um, and um, so it's... Yeah combination of factors why that might have been some people just don't like some other people and that's totally fine and one of the things i remember kim davis said in one of our women of teal nights is like i don't care if you don't like me i want to be respected (laughs) and that's exactly and i absolutely love her respect (laughs) her so much and that's exactly how i feel is you know i'm you know there is a certain i'm here for a purpose and yeah that's and honestly sometimes if you include me it's gonna be. A lot better for you and a lot better for me and a lot less uh, stressful, uh, stressful for all of us.
0: And then just to, to close it up, you know, what advice do you have for our listeners who are interested in exploring a career path, specifically in business intelligence, analytics, and technology in our industry?
1: You are in a great path if that's your interest.
0: We've seen the growth in anything
1: data-related and technology-related in our industry. It's been an exponential growth. You know, again, roles like mine did not exist even five years ago. Uh, you know maybe there was a manager or a director but now you see organizations that have well some of them are lucky enough to have 20 people in this line but if every team has at least one person (laughs) or two people it is really important that you have the because this is a line of work that you do actually require certain hard skills that could anything you know it could be a certain tool you know or a language that you know statistics or whatever it might be there are different types of roles but also focus on your soft skills uh we Data-driven people, including myself, we are always like, oh, this is what my data says, what don't you understand? But we need to learn and be a little bit better about telling our stories and collaborating with people about what their problems are. And try, we, yeah. we are solution providers by nature, but sometimes maybe we need to listen a little bit better. And sometimes a lot of times we need to be able to talk about our work and what this data set or this analysis analysis or this chart means for the for the audience. So that's an area that I think a lot of times we fail. Um, and for the if there are women in the group that are in the listeners that I'm sure they' are, are interested in sports tech, intelligence and all of that, I'm the board chair of an organization called Women in Sports Tech that our goal is to increase the ratio of women in sports tech roles and analytics is definitely part of that. I would encourage everybody to check our website, go to our LinkedIn page. We do provide a lot of content from webinars to articles that everybody can participate in and read and learn actually about the type of roles that exist, but also listen to some of the leaders in the industry and what their advice is. And we also, every summer we provide uh, fellowships for uh, students to get into such roles. So there is not thankfully more resources than when I was coming up, um, but also you know, there is more competition too, but yeah. it's, I think the right person, we can always use a lot of talent in this industry and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a sports background to get into the industry. If anything, we need a diverse set of backgrounds, not only you know, in demographically speaking, but experience wise.
0: And that's a wrap on episode 24. Thank you to Nada for sharing her experiences and insights with all of us today. And as a thank you, our friends at Turnkey ZRG has purchased a one-year membership for her to join the Pro Sports Assembly, an industry member-led association helping advance equity in pro sports. I invite you to follow us on Instagram at Women Blazers to stay connected and to engage with the Women Blazers Network. And look forward to episode 25 featuring Ashley Klinkscal. Senior Vice President of Communications, Community, and Diversity for the Portland Trailblazers of the NBA. Until next time, have a wonderful week.